second one for Newman is up and good. The Illini will inbound with three, with two. Goody with a long three as the horn sounds. He missed it. Purdue wins it, but by only five. 76-71 Purdue. The Big Ten champs hold off the Illini. Well, there we go again. Another game. Illini get down early. Make a huge comeback. But playing on the road against a top 10 kind of team, that effort falls short. Illinois loses to wrap up the regular season. Welcome in to the Fasteners Etc. postgame show. Evan Kahn, Mike Latulip with you. Also got Dave Leak helping out behind the scenes. We want to hear your thoughts, but first... Our rapid reaction brought to you by Kozad Asset Management for over 45 years, striving to serve financial needs and build lasting relationships with clients. Mike, I didn't think they had a, a chance in heck. About two minutes into the second half, they make the big push, have a chance at the line to take the lead, and then lack of execution down the stretch in the Illini fall to Purdue. Yeah, you've seen it a few times this year, right? Uh, execution late game against Iowa, execution late game at Indiana, and now once again today. Uh, but you're not even in that position if you don't make this comeback, but you don't have to make the comeback if you don't spot them the points in the beginning of the game. So once again, just trying the best you can to value those first five minutes. I, I don't know if there's a better team in the country in like the middle 14 minutes of a half than <laughs> Illinois. So just finding ways to I guess, and part of this too, they don't have a point guard. So the difference between these two teams is Purdue gets off to a great start because they force a couple turnovers because in my because Illinois doesn't have a point guard, so they're they're giving them free runouts. And then also offensively, when they do have the half court, Braden Smith is just he's great at setting the table. He's great at putting you on his hip, coming out of ball screens, and um, plays with pace, sets guys up. I mean. To me, that was the difference. I know Illinois made the comeback, but that was the difference today. You, know, you had one team that had some stability with point guard play and a, a guy down low in Edie, and Illinois, they made a feverish comeback, but you fall short because, the, to me, the execution in the end. Yeah, execution in the end. Put yourself in a hole in the beginning and a little bit in between. Trail by 19 at half. Got down by as many as 24. Ended up tying it up, but fall by 5 to wrap up the regular season. That's our rapid reaction by Kozad Asset Management. You guys are up next. Give us a call, 217-356-9397. That's the fan line. Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. The following program is an exclusive presentation of News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS, along with Light Rock 97.5 FM WHMS, Champaign-Urbana, Champaign Multimedia Group Stations. Fighting Illini game day coverage continues on your flagship home for Fighting Illini Athletics. News Talk 1400 at 93.9 FM and Light Rock 97.5. Now it's your turn on the Fasteners Etc. post-game show. Fasteners Etc., your partner in inventory management. Call us with your thoughts, 217-356-9397. 
or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Now, your hosts for the Fasteners Etc. Postgame Show, Evan Kahn and Mike LaTulip. It's a jumper right baseline, missed by Shannon, tapped up and in. Who got that? Was that Harris? Yeah, Sincere Harris. Sincere Harris taps it in on the follow. Melendez dribbling, out top Harris, drive into the paint, floater, got it. Sincere Harris. With four points, they come on the double team on tie. Out top to Hawkins. Right side, Harris launches a three, and he got it. The sincere Harris. If you blinked, you might have missed it. And Purdue quickly out to an 11-0 run, mostly self-inflicted. Sincere Harris, a run of his own there in the first half to keep it close. The Illini cut it down in the first half, then pushed it back out towards half. Cut it down again in the second, but they fall short at Purdue. Welcome in, Fasteners, etc. Postgame show. Michael Tulip, Evan Kahn with you. You heard the numbers there from Gene. You can give us a call, 217-356-9397, or text the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Let's open up the fan line, and Jim is with us. He's up in Rockford. Hi, Jim. Hey, guys. What constitutes an intentional or flagrant? Uh, yeah, whatever he, whatever he did. It felt like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, he, he, he comes up, he made no play on the basketball, he extends his arms on a helpless shooter and throws him to the ground. I, I mean, what you know as well as I do, even on our court, we pull that crap, we get called for that a thousand out of a thousand times, and there's nothing called on the play. And of course, they're not going to call it on Edie. They're going to protect the number one team in the conference on their home gym. But in seriousness, what would have happened if Meyer had really gotten hurt on that play? Well, he and I guess banged I'm, I'm his head disgusted. earlier, too. I, I'm, I'm more disgusted. And again, I understand the context of the game. It's tied right then. But I'm more disgusted that not one player from our team went after Edie. And I'm not suggesting a sucker punch. But you can do things without getting teed up. And there was nothing done to Edie by this team. Well, let's, let, me, let me break this down because I think the intentional foul element of it is or flagrant foul element of it is important to me that play if you watch the replay Meyer gets obviously knocked off balance by Edie but his tailbone injury is caused by the extending of the arms like the extending of the arms forced him into the ground onto his tailbone which to me whether they want to call it flagrant right in the moment that has to be reviewed Mm -hmm. Like that, and if you go review it and whatever, you you end up not calling it fine. But at least get yourself a better angle, look at it. That I I don't know. I don't know how you don't at least review it at a bare minimum in that in that situation. Well, it's again. I understand the context of it. The, the point of the matter is that the season's locked. I mean, we know what Purdue is going to be. We know what Illinois is going to be. This game was played, but didn't really mean a ton in the scheme of the tournament or anything else. So I don't understand why you just can't call it for what it is and do the right thing. And, again, I, I was so disgusted I had my head away for a second. I didn't tell. I didn't know if the camera showed an angle if Underwood was going bananas. But the fact of the matter is someone on that court should have been raising Kane, and they didn't. And I'm not suggesting throwing a punch or taking Edie out by his ankles or anything like that. 
but there was just no emotion on a player who just got cold cocked on a play. So to me, it's 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 more egregious. They didn't call anything. It's as close for no player on the court. The other four guys not doing one thing to stand up for their player in a tight game like that. That's that's understandable. That's a, a good point. We always appreciate you ringing in, Jim, on the fan line, and. and this kind of goes back to how you get down and you're kind of looking for a leadership and three different guys have the ball in their hands on the last play and you're not really sure who has it. There's not really a dog on this team that's going to do that sort of thing. I think Edie gets away with some stuff in a different way than Kofi did. I don't know. He's just so big and they think that he's this clumsy giraffe and things just happened for him. That that was tough. I imagine that's what affected the first free throw from Meyer that, that would have given him the lead. And if it's called a flagrant foul, I imagine that's two shots in the ball and things change and all of that. But um, that was a, a tough play inside of a, a whole bunch of plays that led to this outcome here tonight. He's gonna he's gonna feel that tomorrow. Too. Oh yeah, I, I've I've been I've been there with the tailbone injuries. You can you can play through it and you can keep playing, but he's gonna wake up tomorrow and and he's gonna be absolutely feeling that. Well, so get with Fletch, yeah, get with Fletch, get with Paul Schmidt. I mean, get treatment, 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 and lay off the monsters. Just rest. <laughs> Way the more H two O. Yeah, just water and treatment for him the next few days because they need him ready for the tournament. He had to have knocked his head on that play in the first sure half did. because he was rubbing it thinking that could have busted it open or, or something like that. So What's weird about concussions and head injuries is, and I'm not like a, I, I'm not an expert in this, but from what I've heard, you are better off hitting your head on the side than on the back or on the front, hmm. I believe. I think that there's something that, contributes there so i i hope he's not concussed if he is it's probably going to break some sort of ncaa record for the past few years with guys that have had concussions on this team so like i said need him healthy for this uh for this stretch run Myers still ended up with 16 points and a lot of those coming in the second half 11 of his 16 coming there but the Illini lose by five got some texts coming in here on the castle heating and cooling text line some, oh, excuse me. Wow, that wasn't good. Uh, somebody talking um, about the, the point guard play or, or a lack thereof. Really missed Jay Neps here. And a texter wondering about a, a want for a veteran point guard. I know it's the name that hasn't been said in a while, but the point guard that was brought in to run this team isn't with the team right now in Sky Clark. I, I, and also Jay Neps and both of those guys being out at the same time isn't uh, a good confluence of events. And Terrence Shannon Jr. sometimes isn't the greatest ball handler. He might have gotten a high five there on that drive at, at the end. Um, but he, he has shown that, that he gets a, a little loose with, with the dribble sometimes. And, and it's between him and Coleman Hawkins. And, and Coleman was a lot of the point guard there late. Yeah, I think you start to see <laughs> the effects of not having a point guard. This team had seven turnovers against Michigan and even Purdue's not a team that forces many turnovers. That's that's why I thought a lot of them were just kind of self-inflicted because you don't have a guy that can set the table like that. And look, I'm not sure how much of a difference Sky would have made. Um, you know, Epps, Epps at least can handle the pressure a little bit better. And I had somebody tweet at me after the game that Terrence Shannon has 
the worst handles for a point guard he's ever seen. And I had to break, I had to break the news <laughs> to the guy that he's not a point guard. Um, right. There's a reason for that. And there's a reason for, even though it, it's such a luxury to have Coleman be able to bring up the ball and play through him a little bit at the top of the key and have him make decisions. He's not a point guard either. So, you know, and then Meyer, you know, Meyer just kind of will, will go rogue sometimes. So Ty out of everybody and really Ty and sincere. And once again, you're relying on two freshmen. If you're not counting on the other two, it's, it's these two. Mm-hmm. Now those two are your best ball handlers. And uh, you know, Ty, because he's limited shooting the basketball and sincere, same type of thing. I, that, that makes it hard because you don't get as much pressure and opportunities to go by people, which is really what their strength is. So um, if I'm sincere, if I'm Ty, and I, th- I thought Ty was doing a lot of this today, which was great, but if I'm sincere and Ty, you're not being guarded too much offensively. You got to be the best screener on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, have to and and free up Luke Goody, free up RJ Melendez, Matthew Meyer. That should be your job, uh, and then do what they do and crash the offensive glass. I thought sincere was tremendous there. So I, I get there's there's definitely a ball handling issue. I think I still think that after the season, it's something that they should probably go out and get in the portal. And that's not to say you go get one of the top point guards in the country. I'm, I'm not sure how that shakes out, but go get just a veteran point guard where if you run into situations like this, you at least have somebody that can get you into stuff and set the table. Cause that was part of the execution snap at the end was because Coleman's not a point guard. I mean, he ends up busting the play um, and he's the one that's supposed to trigger it. So um yeah, just things you got to get figured out. I, if you don't have Epps the rest of the season, I'm not sure how that's going to change. You just got to be more selective with where you are, are making decisions and, and what decisions you're making. So uh, I don't know. From from there, it's like I said, you, you just you you have a, like some of these pieces of the pie. You just got to try to put together here in the next few weeks. Well, and going back to to Thursday, yeah, seven turnovers, making smart decisions. There there were bad passes. There were guys. There was a lot of take a dribble and pick it up and it's like what am I going to do with the ball I I, I don't know if that's Mackie or, or what what that was but just s- some poor decision making here for the Illini and, and they cut it down in the second half only four turnovers there and the majority of the first or second half they didn't have any turnovers but uh, down the bre- down the stretch they were back breaking um, we we have one text that says make your free throws and then another text gets to my point the free throws kind of came out in the wash both teams missed the same number of ones so that that wasn't actually too bad at all especially when you you account for the one that that Meyer missed so 70 percent from the line not all too bad back to the fan line 217-356-9397 Simeon's ringing in out in Virginia what do you got Simeon well I'm, I'm coming to the party late guys but uh thank you we're just getting going you're good okay and then um i wanted to say uh this before i uh give my comments you guys have been fantastic all year and i wanted to give you your flowers and uh you guys um have to put up with us when things (laughs) aren't going that well and then uh when things are going well of course it's an easier show and then you guys always give us a fantastic perspective uh, on things that we say, and uh, I, for one, and uh, want to say thank you for what you guys have done all year. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Simeon. Um, yeah, I was uh, listening to some of the things that was said. Um, I, uh, I I understand the thing about the point guard. 
um, going on. But I don't think that that was what cost us the game uh, today. I would have liked for us to make a few more free throws than uh, what we did um, and not let the uh, first half as far as turnovers kind of get away from us. Um, but I also felt like that uh, Purdue had some extra guys on the um, on the court and they were wearing official uh, shirts. <laughs> um, um, that it, because uh, some a, a couple things that I saw, especially right at the end of the game, if we get the benefit of the whistle. Now, they had a quick whistle on our end with RJ, but down on the other end, they were letting the guys get away for, from things. And I understand um, from the basketball I played, that's what home court advantage is. But if they'd been a little bit more fair with the whistles, I still feel that we would have came along, I mean, came away with the win, even without having a quote-unquote um, point guard to uh, to run that. So um, at this point, what I'm hoping is that we'll um, get our guys healthy and uh, um, win a, a couple games in the tournament. I don't this year. I don't really care about winning the Big Ten tournament. I want to make noise in the in the major tournament. Um, it was one thing too. I wanted to give the coaches a pat on the back as well because they it, it, we kind of got away from it toward the end, um, but. Um, they were using Ty, having him set the pick and getting Edie into the pick and roll. I, I wish we would just continue to go to that because it was working well. Um, but uh, kind of when it got uh, toward the end, we, we chucked a few threes. That I, But anyway, that's, that's a different story. So um, I'm going to be quiet and uh, hear what you guys have to say. And again, thank you for for everything this year. Yeah, always always appreciate hearing you after game, Simeon, and your thoughts and comments and your direction of the conversation. The 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 ref stuff, I, I especially when when it gets this close, that's why it's so magnified because one call here leads to two free throws that leads to this that that leads to that, and that's why the the bigger stuff, you know, that, that's why you got to make it so that that those aren't the reasons that that come into play. But uh, go, going back to the five out, or not the five out, but just the, the smaller lineup, you, you saw the change in the first half when Coleman Hawkins was off the floor uh, and things fell apart to, again after they had cut the lead down to two or three or whatever it was there in the first half. And then in the second half, Dane picks up that fourth foul. He goes out, and, and you saw, yeah, Ty there in the high post, uh, a lot more running things, and that's when things opened up on, on the offensive end. Well, we've seen glimpses of it the past few games, and you got Trace Jackson Davis, you got Hunter Dickinson, and then you got Zach Eady. And I think they found something by going, or even in the Northwestern game as well, where you put Nicholson on the floor and we're just going to put Coleman out there and, and try to spread you out. Now, I, I'm interested to see as we continue on, that's been the game plan recently because really every game you've played has had these types of bigs mm. uh, where it wasn't the case earlier in the season. So do you continue to do that and have Coleman at the five? Or do you go back to more Dane minutes and playing inside a little more? I think it's it's all going to be matchup dependent. I think the fact that they found this, though, means that moving forward, if they see Purdue again in the tournament, if they see Michigan – then they're able to deploy that. And then if they feel like they have an advantage with Dane, then they can do that as well. But uh, it's interesting having Jaden Epps out as well because RJ has just been so good and so consistent 
defensively. It's the reason he played 28 minutes today and his ability to fight through screens and the way he guards shooters. I mean, Fletcher Lawyer uh, played 26 minutes today, was 0 for 4 from the floor mm-hmm. and had four points. And and RJ was a huge reason for that. And when he when he got Brandon Newman, Brandon Newman had 15 points in the first half. He had four in the second half, and RJ was a big reason for that. So um, the, the thing that I thought helped them today was when you have this big – we call it a small – going small, but it's really just – it's funny because it's going small, but it's taking Dane out and putting Coleman in, who's taller than Dane. So it, it kind of is a bigger lineup. But the ball pressure is so much better because you have more length and you have more size that when you're playing an Edie, when you're playing a Dickinson, when you're playing a Trace Jackson Davis, because the ball pressure is great and because there's length, the airtime on the post-entry passes is just a little bit longer, which gives guys more time to come over and I thought Goody and Melendez and all these guys were just on it on those rotations. And that's all from the ball pressure, getting a little bit more loft on that ball and not just a straight line drive pass into the post where that guys can just catch and turn without having the trap come. So um, I think they're finding things here. I get it's been through losses. I mean, think about the Iowa game, Indiana game. I mean, you somehow pulled this game out today. You somehow pulled a game against a game out against Indiana and Iowa where all three of these games you had chances to win them. Mm-hmm. I, I, you're one. You're probably looking at a double buy. No the question. Big Ten title. <laughs> yeah, maybe a share of the Big Ten title, but also you're looking at likely a, a two or three seed bump in the NCAA tournament because you have these quad one opportunities. The problem with Illinois' schedule this year, and this is what's so what's mm-hmm. just terrible about this Big Ten schedule, where it's just a crapshoot with who you end up playing. Illinois got one quad one home game. Was it That's one it. in? Indiana. That was it. Yeah. And that was it. And and now you know Purdue has has all these opportunities, right? I I look at a team like Purdue where you look at home games. I mean, they got Marquette at home. They got uh, Indiana at home. They got Maryland at home. They got you know uh, there there was a myriad of them that you could throw in there. And now it, it's you really have to make do and win games on the road. And I think that's hurt Illinois' resume. Whereas next year you may have a more teams that you get to play at home uh, instead to bolster that. So, I don't know, long-winded way of, of saying that throw it all out and let's let's roll out and let's play in March because, yes. as we've seen, man, anything can happen. Yeah, this, this league has done all that it can do to each other, although we've got another weekend to, to do it again, and I echo Simeon's sentiment. The matchup will, will be very dependent, and if they get a favorable matchup, take care of business Thursday and then whatever happens happens and see what Well, I think you look at the at right now if it goes chalk I believe so right now you have the games remaining are Indiana Michigan is Iowa beating Nebraska Nebraska is about to win Nebraska is about to win Nebraska is about to win they're, get, they're getting the ball back up four with 17 seconds to go Okay, so you got Nebraska. I got the I got the seed simulator right here. So this is great radio. <laughs> we'll do this in real time. So Nebraska gets the win. Obviously, Penn State gets the win. Purdue gets the win, and then now you have Rutgers, Wisconsin, and Indiana left. So if Rutgers, Wisconsin, and Indiana, if that all goes chalk, you got Illinois as the seven seed playing Penn State as the ten to play the two Indiana. So, Yikes. <laughs> So we'll see. I mean, because the other way, it, it's amazing how one game can flip that. Because if Iowa just ends up winning, then you know you you have Illinois as the eight seed 
playing Northwestern, the nine playing Purdue, the one. So I guess this is, this is a, a good outcome. Iowa losing this game. Um, but you still got to have these other teams win tonight. Um, Indiana, Wisconsin, and Rutgers. Because if Michigan pulls it off and Wisconsin and Rutgers both win, then you got Illinois as a nine seed. Um, you know, playing Indiana, the eight seed, uh, <laughs> to play Purdue. So you just you got to hope that that Northwestern doesn't beat Rutgers tonight. All right. That's or I guess yeah, that's 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 the what the simulator is telling me. Interesting. All right. Well, we'll see how the rest of the evening plays out. Let's pick out for this Illinois Purdue game an MX electrifying player of the game. And it's brought to you by MX Electric, who wants to be your electrician when you're in need of electrical service for both residential and commercial needs. Call 217-359-7293 to schedule your project. And remember, relax, call Max. This one's a bit of a toss-up, if you're asking me, but uh, just going back to the first half and how things started, I'm kind of leaning towards uh, Braden Newman with, with what he did in the first half and, and turning over the ball and, and hitting big shots. Didn't have a, as much of a, a second half, but I know you can't do it, but you take out that 11-0 run to get things going, and, and Illinois has got a five-point lead. So um, I think he was a, a big part of that, but uh, wherever you might go with that, Mike. Yeah, I think it was, I think it was Newman. If you're gonna get, yeah, if you're gonna give it to the winning team, he just got them off to such a great start. Not only offensively, but defensively, just really getting into Terrence and making life difficult for him. And and then he was doing it in a in a variety of ways offensively. He hit some threes. He you know got in transition, made a couple tough layups. And I thought that his ability to be that spark plug in the beginning of the game was really what got them on their way to to get up twenty and get up twenty four. So. Um, got got to be Newman on the Illini side. Who are you thinking? Coleman Hawkins. Yeah, not even close. Yeah, we can get into a little bit of Coleman Hawkins after this. But as for the player of the game in this Purdue win, we're going to give it to Braden Newman. Here is Gillis on the left wing. Had it deflected by Hawkins. Now to Edie out beyond the arc to Smith down the lane layup. Got it. They got Bradens, they got Brandons. His his first name is Brandon, but um, I knew what you meant. Either way, you know, last you last name most important. He gets our MX electrifying player of the game. We want to hear what you got to say about this one. Give us a call, send us a text, fasteners, etc. Post game show. Yeah. The conversation about today's game continues on the fasteners etc. Post game show. Join in by calling the First State Bank Illini fan line two one seven. 356-9397 or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357 Hawkins lob Meyer with a catch inside up and in for Matthew Meyer and here come the fighting Illini back to Hawkins shot about a three didn't shoot it drives in the paint in trouble pass inside and a slam by Melendez Way to move There's a little bit from the Illini in the second half as they come back from 24 down to tie it, but eventually fall to the Purdue Boilermakers 76-71 to close out the regular season 20-11. and 11. Welcome back, Fasteners, etc. Postgame show, News Talk 1400, 93.9 FM. 
WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, and Light Rock 97.5 WHMS. Champaign-Urbana, Mike and Evan here with you. Dave's helping us out behind the scenes. If you give us a call, we go back to the text line. Some questions here uh, about the, the late game execution. That, that, that was a, a, a little disorderly. Asking about the timeout. Um, apparently right after a, a review and then ha- how the play came about. And I was kind of wondering that too because you go to one side, you go to the other side, nobody really seemed to know where or what they, they wanted to do, and then you almost turn it over and then you do turn it over. Yeah, I think they obviously wanted to get something drawn up and I, I don't mind the time out there just to – to not rush into anything, but you, you got to manufacture something out of it. It sounded like what they wanted to do was post Meyer. And I think Coleman ended up going the wrong way or dribbling the wrong way for the entry. And that's what I honestly, I mean, that's what you get when you don't have, when you don't have a point guard, I mean, and, and you can certainly fault Coleman for, for busting the play, but uh, you know, that's just, that's not his natural position. And uh, now he's got to be better in those moments. There's no question about it because this may not be the last time where you're you have that lineup on the floor at the end of the game. If Jaden Epps comes back and he's fouled out, and like you need somebody that that's going to be able to to do that at the end. And um, and yeah, I mean obviously you you really get nothing going. And he was waving guys off and wanted to get things entered. I think he was waving Meyer off to get him into the post, which I think was originally the play. He gives it to Meyer. Meyer dances. Morton hits it out of his hands, and then you get it into to Shannon, and very clearly gets hit on the hand. But mm-hmm. bang bang like that, I'm just I'm just not sure that that they're going to end up calling that. So uh, again, just tough execution. Um, I think I, I like the idea. I mean, if you're going to post Meyer, I, I like that. That's a, that's a high percentage. That's a high percentage play. It's just it's just the execution of it. You know, you, you mm. a coach can draw it up, but you got to you got to put yourself in a position to to see the the fruits of your labor there. Texter w- wondering if we need the regular season just to determine a postseason tourney seating. Um, yeah, I mean, it, the the high major conferences argue that. I don't know what I, I know why we went to twenty games at one point in time, but um I think that is definitely showing that it wears on the Big Ten as well. And um complaining about the refs, uh and talking about how it translates nationally. <laughs> we'll see how Edie goes. Edie was really a non I, I don't want to call him a non factor, but he was not the, the focal point. I think part of the worry about him early on in the game may have led to to some things like the the three pointers and guys not helping where where they needed to, and then after a while they realize, hey, you know, we we, we just gotta do do what we need to and get out on the shooters and be in the right spot at the right time and things like that. I don't know how yeah. you felt about how they defended Zach Eady today. Yeah, well, I think. Painter does as good a job as anybody in the country at, at trying to create a lot of misdirection. He typ- he's typically using Edie as a screener to try to get, uh, you know, to try to get you to help. And then you're on the low side, and then it, it typically ends up going into a high low or a down screen for Fletcher, where you feel like you have to help. And um, they he designs it better than anybody. I thought Edie's going to get his customary four to five 
jump hooks mm-hmm. a game to get you know eight to ten points. That's just what he has. But are you making him work for the rest of it? And I thought today was another reason why. One, it's a luxury to have Coleman Hawkins because I think his length. He's he's not he's not the biggest guy, but his length does end up bothering guys. And then also too, he's so smart with where to go and and kind of playing the cat and mouse game of hey, I'm going to front, then I'm going to get behind, and and that that creates indecision not only for the passer, but it, it creates indecision for where Edie wants to distribute his weight to post up. So then he ends up being off balance. And I thought him being off balance contributed. I thought they could have called a couple travels. He seemed like he was walking around a little bit, but. Um, my last point is that this is this is why Luke Goody plays, um, because when you trap, it's not only on the guy that's guarding the the post player. It's on the next guy who's coming over to, for the trap to be able to recognize when to when to come and where to come from. Uh, am I coming high side? Am I going low side? And I don't want to go too early because maybe they can kick it to a Brandon Newman or they can kick, kick it to a Fletcher Lawyer or a Braden Smith. So you have to be extremely diligent with that and that's the reason why they oftentimes would have luke goody as the low man and he would be the one coming over because he's so good at recognizing when to do that and i thought it really really frustrated zach Eady. and it goes to show you once again that luke goody we picture him as just like this spot up shooter i mean the guy, he's six eight mm-hmm. he's six seven six eight and i think that that bothers guys and he's he's got great hands and he knows where to be positionally so i thought all of that contributed to Edie. For the most part, I know he was six for thirteen today, but he didn't. He wasn't able to, in my opinion, put his imprint all over this game, and I think that's that's a win for the Illini. Yeah, I was looking up here, seeing. I, I meant he's got to be shooting like sixty some percent, right? Like, there's no way yeah, he's out there sixty three, something like that. Six sixty one point six coming into to the game. Yeah. So yeah, six for thirteen. That uh, ain't too shabby. And a a season high in points as well for Luke Goody. That slop three was just insane. That's probably make up for all the ones that he's had that have been halfway down and fallen out. Uh, But he ends up with with 10 points, three boards, and had a a steal and score in the second half that really cut into things. All right, Fasters, etc. post-game show. If you want to weigh in, you can. Give us a call. Text us here with the post game show i don't know i don't know that's been it's been our year hasn't it um <laughs> you know in conference play just um you know jekyll and hyde um i you know i we made a good run in the first half after getting down um you know people don't understand how good coleman hawkins is and and you know he's plus 12 in the plus minus today um you know he picked up a couple of fouls and then we just uh live ball turnovers i we just this, this team is baffling uh at times when we just won't run anything and uh you know it was it was a tough day for tj in terms of uh you know playing on the point they crawled up him and and had i don't know what eight turnovers today but um you know it was uh it was we were asking coleman to guard their center and play point for us so um you know it was um it was, a, it was an interesting game. I, we couldn't execute early, and 11 first-half turnovers killed us, and uh, yet we fought all the way back and played great basketball and showed why we can be one of the best teams in the country when we get going, and, and yet and, and Matt was terrible today in terms of shooting the basketball. There's head coach Brad Underwood after the game, talking about the little bit of good, a little bit of bad. Ultimately, loss for the Illini here to close out Big Ten play at 11 and 9. 
which is their worst record in Big Ten play in like five years. But um, sign of the times, I guess. Similar to a lot of the Big Ten here, as Iowa did end up falling to Nebraska, so hmm. that should, I guess, in theory, benefit the Illini as we wait for Big Ten tournament seeding to wrap up with games today. Back here, Fasteners, etc. Post game show. Give us a call two one seven three five six nine three nine seven on the fan line or text the Castle Heating and Cooling text line two one seven three five one. Five three five seven. Texter was wondering uh, about pressing more for the whole game, and that's um. I I don't know how how you feel about that. We saw it a little bit early, and it, and it, it worked, and they executed it really well there in a period in the second half. Usually, more of a, a tactic when you're trying to get back into yeah. the game. It can can expand some energy that you don't necessarily need to for for forty minutes. Um, but they they have shown that it is effective at times, especially late game situations. Thinking back to that Iowa game as well, I, I like it more as a changeup. That's I think that's how it works best. Um, you had a, a young backcourt today, and I thought you really gave them some issues with that trap. And uh, but the one thing with the trap is it's it's great but if you deploy it the whole game then odds are you're not getting the matchups that you want on the backside because uh, you got two guys trapping in the backcourt typically that guy is coleman hawkins or or ty rogers and now they got to scramble and go get matched up so it takes you out of your normal matchups uh but i do like the fact that this team can implement it in a myriad of ways mm-hmm. um you know and just, and just make life difficult for the opposing team it's uh but i do think that there's a law of diminishing returns with that, if you were going to deploy that the entire game, it, it may end up hurting you more than it helps you. Uh, but in certain spurts where you got sincere or the right lineups in there, uh, I think you can certainly you can certainly utilize it. Especially with with the bench, if if you are playing eight nine guys, then you can put in those different kind of lineups. Texts are asking why would Epps be out the rest of the year? There's no timeline when it comes to concussions, especially a guy who had to go to the hospital and his parents came into town from uh, another state. I don't know what you can count on from Jay Nepp, so we're just hoping that, that he can get healthy and, and be right whenever. Yeah, I mean, those are tricky. Those, yeah. those are always tricky. I mean, Andre Corbello was out like two and a half months with a concussion. So you just you just never know how guys are going to react. What, you know, I, I got one my junior year, and I had slurred speech for like two months. Jeez. So it's it everybody reacts differently to it. It's not just... Hey, because typically the protocol is like, hey, six to you know five to seven days, and then you're back. But you're talking about a brain injury, so it's it, it can be more severe than others. So we, we don't really know. We don't have clarity on that. the The natural thing I think you would have seen today was that if he was coming back, he would have been at the game. He if he was coming back for the next game, and he still might. But that was what Terrence. That's what happened with Terrence. Terrence got the concussion. Then he was in the arena. Mm-hmm. For the next game, Minnesota, yep. For Minnesota, and then he came back. Um, so, because it's noise, right? It's noise. It's light. It's all the things that irritate somebody that has a concussion. So, if you do have a concussion, Mackey Arena is probably the last place you want to be. Back to the fan line we go. Two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. We we got all the mics in the world here. We'll go to Mike and Sullivan first. Hey, Mike. Hey, how you guys doing? Doing well. 
Good. Hey, I, I don't know whether anybody's – I haven't heard anybody mention it, but when T.J. drove to the basket with the, the game tied, he was fouled, and it was a blatant foul. Yeah. I mean, they caught his hand. Uh, the guy didn't even touch the ball, and they, they replayed it on Fox about three times, and the color commentator just said, well, that was bad luck for Illinois. <laughs> Yeah, kind of, kind of is how it is, you know. Late game on the road environment like that, and if the angle isn't right, it's a hand to hand kind of thing. That's not something that that's going to make a a giant noise. Or and I I don't like flopping, but it's not like Terrence acted like it, it was a, a big deal. He he shook it off. He thought that that I think he thinks that he should have had the handle on that and, and gotten to the rim. Um, he, he definitely did hit the hand, but, um, yeah. yeah, that's a that's a tough call to make there. Can, can the referees not look at that? I mean, can I don't think Underwood so. Not, not, uh, not no, ask them to look? No, usually. Yeah, they, they can't review a foul. Just just flagrant kind of things. But Well, that would have been, that would have been uh, in my guess, TJ would have made both free throws. That would have put them up. Mm. So, I mean, yeah. that was a major, major miss. Yep, yep. When you get when you get into these one two score games, it, it comes down to those little plays. So, hey, thanks for calling in, Mike. Right. You can do the same two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. Another Mike. He he leaves the Michael on the end, calling from Centralia. Hi, Michael. Hey guys, uh, I just uh, I love the you know the intensity second half. I'm proud of them. But uh, there's one thing that really bothers me. I've seen it several times this year, and that is uh, the coach standing on the sideline, and like he's he's an observer instead of a coach. And the the key to that game, uh, to me at the end, was Meyer was dribbling down the floor. He had the ball. And I know what he's thinking. I'm going to shoot a three. Three guys came over to guard him, and Underwood standing right next to him. And he should have been screaming at half court, two, 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 drive. No, he took a terrible shot. That was a horrible three attempt. And to me, that was the key to the game, to coming back. If they would have got two, then who knows what would have happened. But I just think Underwood needs to be a little more strong, you know, uh, defining about this is what we want in the last two minutes. This is what we don't want is a bad three show, thrown up, and we're five down. There's plenty of time to get a get a two and then you foul, and you go from there. So I just really wish uh, I could see more from the coach about the last two minutes. What are we going to do, and what are we not going to do? So, hey, proud of them, but, you know, you've got to play better at the end. And there was, to me, just no excuse for a coach to stand there and watch his guy throw up a three that's that's just horrible hey thanks for letting me call yeah thanks for for calling in i wish brad underwood would have just jumped out there and blocked the shot right mike well they did they did say on the broadcast that brad underwood was yelling go to the basket go to the basket (laughs) go to the basket so look you're talking about a a kid in matt meyer who number one he's been tremendous all year or, or most of the year but this is also the guy that says you know he's he's so numbers based he's analytic um, and says you just need to chuck threes and stop and stop the other team from making threes. That's Matthew Meyer has said that multiple times. So the guy that says that analytically you need to chuck threes is chucking threes. That should not be a surprise to anybody. Um, and and I, look, I, I think he makes that shot. 
things are a lot different, obviously. But be, before even that shot, I mean, Meyer just had a lot of opportunities throughout the game, I thought, especially when it got closer to to hit some of those daggers and uh, and just didn't get him to fall. Uh, but I do like I, – I think a lot of good stuff happens when he does go to the basket and he utilizes pivots. And that's that's – you know, he can utilize his height shooting over people. There's no question. But you notice him being 6'9 when he's down and around the rim because he doesn't get his shot blocked very often. He's able to finish over guys right hand, left hand, and um, just having more balance to his game. I know he he probably doesn't like it because it goes against the analytics, but shots around the basket are <laughs> are good for the analytics as well, too. <laughs> yeah, there, there's, there's more than one good analytic. Back to the fan line. Got to pick out a Tatman's towing play of the game. But Bill's with us up in Washington, the state. Hey, Bill. Afternoon, guys. It seems to me that this team doesn't shoot very well, um, which was recruited by Brad. He brought in two freshman point guards, to run the team, one of whom can't beat any, couldn't beat anybody on the dribble and couldn't stop anybody when they were on the dribble. Um, so it doesn't seem like it's a great roster that was that he constructed. So Mike's made the point that you know we're coming off three great seasons, um, which you had all these wins, you had all this talent. If you want credit for you know the or making roster adjustments here, then don't choke when you actually have one of the five best teams in the country. He blew it, and until they get back to there and he does it, he, people are going to be down on Brad. That is one opinion. Thanks for the call, Bill. 217-356-9397. The Tatman's Towing play of the game is brought to us by Tatman's Towing. Evan, Evan, I'm not. There's just no way I'm going to let that call go by. <laughs> Look, I, I, if you've listened to this show, I've said this many times. Okay, you, everybody puts so much stock in the NCAA tournament. It's one of the best tournaments in the world. There's no question about it. But it, it isn't just like a black and white thing where it's like make it to the second weekend. Didn't make it to the second weekend. Okay, I, I understand that that has not happened yet for Brad Underwood, but go back to last year and even the year before that tournament is all about matchups, all about matchups. You win the big 10 tournament and then you play Loyola in the second round. I get it. It's Loyola. They were a top 10 team in the country on Ken Palm. You get, you know, you win your first game against Chattanooga last year and then you play Houston, a top 10 team in Ken Palm. Like if you were any other four seed, any other four seed, then you're playing St. Mary's, okay? You're playing New Mexico State or you're playing Richmond. And if they win those games against New Mexico State, St. Mary's, or Richmond, that changes your opinion that much on these past few years? That like I I don't understand I don't understand that like how do we ignore the whole body of work? Is Matt Painter a good coach, yes or no? Yeah. Yeah. When was the last time Purdue went to a Final Four? Have they? Like, does that make Matt Matt Painter a, a bad coach? No. I mean, just developing your whole opinion on a coach based off of two or three weeks in March is just asinine to me. Now, he has a chance to, to get over that hump this year, 
And I, I do think this team gives them probably maybe even a better chance. Just, just, but it's all going to come down to matchups, okay? But like, I, I'm not about to ignore the past few years here, where, you know, Evan, you mentioned the top, where it's like 11 and nine in conference, like worst record in five years, <laughs> um, and you had a chance today to be a two seed in the Big Ten conference in the Big Ten conference if you won. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I just don't want to hear it. Every coach isn't exempt blame here, here and there there's no question there's there's things like after the ohio state game or i i guess it would have been after the northwestern game before the ohio state game shouldn't have had friday off that's on brad underwood should not have had them them take that day off you come out you're sleepwalking into ohio state that's on brad underwood okay in game against loyola have to be able to adjust when they're running when they're running that zoom action with cameron crowdwood like have to be able to adjust there's there's certainly blame you can you can point to games. You can point to how he handled it, at, you know, after Northwestern. But if you are gonna, if you have things to say about Brad Underwood's body of work, I I got nothing for you. <laughs> I got nothing for you because they've won more games in the Big Ten than any team over the past four years, including this year. So I don't know. You can you can take the microphone back from me. I just and, and I'm sorry, sorry. Last thing. Go for it. Last thing. You want to talk about roster construction. Okay. They just lost 90% of their scoring. 90. 90. You know who also lost that much? Ohio State. You know who also tried to reload through the portal and with freshmen? Ohio State. You know what their record is in conference? 4-16 or whatever it is. Okay. So he, he, he's giving you another NCAA tournament berth. Because of the roster construction, because he got Jaden Epps, because he got Sincere Harris and Ty Rogers and Matthew Meyer and Terrence Shannon, because he got those guys. So, I don't know. Like your best shooter, Luke Goody, was out most of the year. I, unless you wanted him to bubble wrap Luke Goody's foot in the Kansas game, <laughs> I don't know how you prevent that. So let things play out. If they lose in the first round this year, then. I'm sure we'll all hear it again, but don't talk to me about like full body work because Brad Underwood's done a tremendous job at Illinois. I just, I just don't want to hear that. Sorry. There, there we go. There we go. Sorry. You heard it here. Let's pick out that tap as toy play the game. Yeah, let's, let's, let's do that. <laughs> Car um, won't start after the game. Call 217-328-2424 for the most trusted roadside service in downstate Illinois. Tapman's Towing or visit online at tapmanstowing.com. This one is rather difficult to, as well because as much as we said Zach Eady was muted a, a little bit. He was the one who hit the, the field goal that put Purdue ahead for good, although it was kind of anticlimactic. So I want to pick something a little more exciting in the Illini. Had a couple of plays there where they could have where, where they did do that, and I'm leaning towards the, the Harris steal and score that cut it to four there late. Um, I, I believe it was following... Somebody else who who hit a basket, but I can't remember the exact sequence. But they came down on the press. He gets the tip pass, give, get it right back from Ty Rogers, and he got the finish. And as, that's where where I was really starting to believe that that Illinois was going to be able to to get back into this thing and maybe regain the lead. It was I think it was two free throws from Matthew Meyer to make that's it fifty nine sixty five fifty nine, and then they're able to get that ball back and uh, get the and one. And I think once again it just. Great play, obviously. I think it's on the Illini side. That was that was the play of the game because that was when you really felt like, oh, okay, yeah, this is a thing. <laughs> they might they might win this game. 
But again, going back to the free throws, man. Uh, one, you know, sincere Harris. You, I mean, and Ty Rogers. You got two guys on your team that shoot below forty percent from the free throw line. That just that they got to find a way, and and it's it's all between the ears. It's it's mental. Um, yeah, because you make that free throw at 65, 62, and it's just a different type of psychology for the opposing team when it's a one possession game and it's a two possession game. Four point game, they still feel like they can play with a little bit of house money. That you're up a little bit. Um, so just crucial, crucial moments where just execution goes beyond just plays that you're running and defensive miscues. It's it's executing at the free throw line as well and getting those done. So, um, but that play was was definitely the one that that got me believing. Yeah, and and Harris knocked down a three for the first time in a, in a long while when, when he wasn't thinking about it there early on in his seven point run in the first half. But always getting it on the defensive end as well. And we'll give this steal and score our Tapman's towing play of the game. Pressure from Illinois in the backcourt. The Boilermakers are rattled. The Illini back within six, and now a steal by Harris. Harris to Rogers, back to Sincere, and it's yep. good. Oh, the Illini are turning up the heat of the Boilermakers in their own building. Sincere Harris wraps the game with 11 points, which, if I remember right, is the most against a high-major opponent. Yes, he had 12 against Bethune-Cookman back on December 29th, but he gets 11 here in the Big Ten regular season finale as well as five boards, and two of those were on the offensive end. Maybe more. I don't know. Either way, Sincere Harris getting our Tapman's towing play of the game. Still got time if you want to get your calls and texts and thoughts in here on the Fasteners Etc. postgame show. It's the Fasteners Etc. postgame show. You can weigh in on today's game by calling the First State Bank Illini fan line, 217-356-9397. Or texting the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-351. Five three five seven. Rebound Hawkins. Out of there with it. Hawkins on the break. Down to Rogers. Out top to Harris. Now to Hawkins. Back to Sincere. To Coleman Hawkins. Goody. Open right side three. Goody is good. Luke Goody with a three. Timeout Purdue. They trap in the corner and a steal. Goody with a steal. Goody with a layup and he got it. Goody lays it up and in. Back to back plays around a timeout and Luke Goody ends up with five points. He wraps the day with 10 to go with three rebounds in 16 minutes off the bench. The Indiana kid over in Indiana, but Purdue coming out with the win. They are your Big Ten champs at 15-5. and five. The Illini are somewhere in the middle of the Big Ten at 11-9. and nine. We'll figure that out as the day moves along. You can give us a call if you got thoughts on this one. As we get ready for tournament play, let's go back to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Uh, texts are wondering if we're, we're, we're going to the beef house on the way. I, I know of a, a certain radio engineer that I'm sure is uh, petitioning for a stop at the beef house. I don't know if they're going to get it, but uh, that that is definitely a, a favorite along the route between West Lafayette and Champaign. Uh, 217 Texter says they're not a crying Illini fan. Uh, they think Purdue won this game handily. Uh, Gary says, amen, Mike. Praise all to Mike. Way too many fans focus on the last couple weeks of March short-sighted. 
Go Illini. So some thoughts coming in here on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line. Roy agrees. Don't forget where the program was a, a few years ago. You're not wrong. It, somebody, uh, it's Robert, Robert Rosenthal, uh, Illini board uh, co- follower of the Illini, pointed out, like when, when I was in school, when you were in school, right, I, I didn't see a single NCAA tournament from from 2014 to 2018. You, you were there. You, you had one in, in your four years. This class wrapping up right now had the pandemic not happen, four tournaments in four years. Yeah. You know, I, I said it after the Michigan game, how when you're living life on the bubble, life just seems so sweet off the bubble. And then when you get off the bubble and you're in the tournament, it's like, now and now you start nitpicking about the seating, and then now you're nit- it's just it's and like eventually the pr- you know, Purdue fans who are like we need an elite eight. That's where their bar has been moved to, right? And and like that's that's what I always think about. And look with with Brad Underwood, and this is the last point I'll make going off of my last tangent. I didn't play for the guy like this. I'm not I'm not sitting here like defending my guy. This isn't I didn't play for him. He wasn't my coach. I'm trying to sit here as objective as objectively as I can. And say the you cannot deny the full body of work. You cannot deny that he's made an impact the past two years. Like think about Alfonso Plummer. I mean, go, going and getting a transfer like that, the impact that he had, and then now getting Shannon and Meyer. If you don't, if you don't get Shannon and Meyer, you have, you have to settle for two lesser transfers. I, I, is this team in the tournament? No, uh, seriously. So there has to be credit there for for the recruiting as well. But yeah, I look. I, I, I say this and I'm a little bit more passionate about it because I lived it where every game you have the anxiety of like, Oh my gosh, well, what's this going to do for our resume? Is this going to get us in? Is this not going to get us in? And, um, and for fans too. I mean, that, that sucks. I mean, think about Michigan right now. All Michigan is consumed with is other teams. <laughs> they watch yesterday. They're like, Oh God, I hope Auburn loses. Oh God, we need Nevada to lose. We need them to lose. We need them to lose. Like for Illinois, it's like, at least you can focus on yourself as a fan. Like you don't have to worry about watching every game on Saturday thinking like, well, if this happens and, and then this will get us in the tournament or this bracketology has this last four in, they have this next four out. This like, you have to worry about that. You, have, you don't, you just, you don't. And then that should be a, that should be a good thing. Now you should always have high expectations, right? This is a, this is a very good basketball program. Okay. So the expectations are high, but there has to be moments where you take a step back and say, Hmm, thankful for the position that we're in let's go get more yep. right let's go get more and let's let's strive to get more but let, let let's not hold our own expectations and be like oh well we didn't make it to a final four and we really wanted that final four therefore i'm gonna grade this is the now the criteria um anything can happen i mean uh, oregon state went to an elite houston eight. houston lost today okay Houston did win on buzzer beater oh they ended up pulling that one out they did. Wow. They did. But my point is Oregon State in 2021, okay, the kind of COVID year, they go to an Elite Eight, okay? And and they were not very good that year. But they go to an Elite Eight, and now all of a sudden, like, Trace Tinkle's a really good coach? I Right? Like, I, I don't you, – you, that's why you can't judge it off of – a few weeks. I mean, if you're a, a middling big 10 team for the last four years and you're just sneaking into the tournament and Brad Underwood can't win anything in the postseason, 
then it's like, yeah, then maybe you can take, you can paint it with a broader paintbrush because you can sit there and say, man, he just, he can't quite get it done in the regular season and he can't quite get these guys ready to play in March and we can't get over the hump. You at least have one of the two. And then now if this next box is checked, especially this year, when you lose 90% of your scoring, then I'm not sure what, what some of these, these callers can say. Yeah. And as a seven, eight, five texter points out, uh, apparently former football coach, Mike White, used to say, you're never as good as you think you are when you win and never as bad as you are, as you think you are when you lose. Um, most teams. Yeah, I mean, back to, back to Wayne Tinkle, you go to an elite eight, you follow it up the next season with a three and 28 year. Is he, so, like, is he still coaching out there? Yes, probably not after this year. But that's my that's my whole point yeah. is you, you want to have yeah you went to one elite eight but you won three games the next year which one which one would you rather have? I mean I guess some people would say the elite eight but three and eight three and twenty eight sounds pretty miserable too because that, that can set your program back years. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I I played a season of basketball where we went three and twenty eight. It was it was not good. Got to make more of an got to make more of an impact than that, Evan. Come on, <laughs> that that store that that season is almost book worthy. If we would have been, it kind of like this season for the Illini, where there's just not a whole lot of positive stories out of it. Um, they're just more weird and um, just no no good. So uh, yeah, the, those are some thoughts coming in here on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line. Let's pick out our keys to the game. Brought to you by Hickory Point Bank with roots right here in our Champaign-Urbana community. Hickory Point Bank invested, and by Game Day Spirit, the best selection of University of Illinois apparel. What were your keys in this one, Mike? Just the start of the game. Um, I, I talked about how it it was partly because you just don't have a point guard. You turn the ball over in the backcourt a few times. I think they turn it over for their first five possessions. And when you don't get shots on rim, when you don't give yourself an opportunity to offensive rebound, then it becomes really hard to, to string, uh, you know, string quality possessions together. And then you end up fighting from behind because look, that Purdue team, you ended up mounting a 20, a 24 point comeback on them. And that's a team that doesn't really get, uh, give up comebacks like that because one, they have the tempo that they have, which is, I think, 330th in the country. They play wow. slow because their whole offense has worked around throwing it into ED. Uh, so that's why, even over the years, over the, over the past three seasons before this, when you had Kofi, this Illinois team very rarely uh, would give up a lead because you had just such a, I, I guess, stabilizing force to throw it into and, and get high percentage looks. Um, you know, So I thought that was the key, right? Falling behind early. You get a team feeling good. You get Brandon Newman feeling good. You get Braden Smith feeling good. Um, and then that's the start of the game, the end of the game, execution. Free throws uh, and being able to execute out of the timeout. Uh, we've been talking about it all year. We'll see if that rears its head again in March. Uh, but I like this team if they're up like six with a minute left. Uh, anything closer than that, it gets it, it tends to get kind of dicey. Yeah, those were, were exactly it, the, the beginning getting up the the end execution uh the the turnovers throughout uh, i mean 23 points of produce turn points were off turnovers 13 fast break points for a team that's 330th in pace um that's not good and and, and we keep coming back to it if, if you play like you did when you were coming back from 24 you could be up 24 maybe that's a bit of an exaggeration but you don't have to play from behind you do these things in the beginning 
you put yourself in, in better situations, all of our blood pressure will, will feel better throughout, and, and we won't be as stressed out here through March. This team has the ability to play 17 points better than Purdue and a half, or 22, or yeah. whatever it was against Northwestern. Um, it, it, you, you just gotta, you just gotta want to do it, and. and that that's what it's going to come down to in these back to back to backs, or uh, you know Thursday, Saturday, Friday, Sunday. There, there's no more no more tired excuse. You you've got to show up for 40 minutes. And the, and the last point I'll make too is I, I think what's also plagued this team throughout the year is is not only just we see them come back time and time after again. Obviously, to mount a comeback, you have to have a significant deficit. Uh, so there's things that obviously contribute to that. But the flip side of that is I think as we're watching, we're sitting there, we're like gosh, how fun would it be to play with a lead, right? <laughs> but the problem is throughout this year, I think this Illinois team, they show just an immaturity at times when they do have a lead. And they start to kind of let their foot off the gas. Shot selection drops because they feel like they're playing with house money, right? It's, Up oh, six we, in double overtime. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we've built our, you know, we've, we've built our lead, um, and now because we built this lead by driving into the pain and kickouts and shots around the rim, now that we've built this lead, we can take our foot off the gas. Now I'm going to shoot a step back three, or I'm going to take a couple ill-advised ones. Like that's the next step for this team. And I know we're running out of time for the season, but it's the next step, right? Is when you get to March now, don't be the team that gets up 10 and is like, cool. Now we can just start jacking whatever shots we want. Like just be diligent, right? You're, Whatever whatever the result is of those shots that you throw up, you it's not going to feel good if you end up losing that game. And you'll definitely feel a lot better after the game by winning it if you're like, yeah, for 40 minutes we put pressure on the paint. For 40 minutes we utilized our size and our length and got into the paint and got shots around the rim, got them in foul trouble. Uh, we may not be the best free throw shooting team, but we at least gave ourselves opportunities to shoot free throws. Uh, that's, that's what this team has to show me, right, is – we know you can mount comebacks, right? We know that because the wind's at your back and it plays right into how they really want to play, which is just kind of flying around and jacking and just house money left and right. But can you be mature enough to to play with a lead in March? And can you hold on to it? And part of that's turnovers and part of that's free throws too. So uh, the two areas that I think have, have hurt this team uh, over the course of the season. So um, this is a, I, I mean, this is a fascinating March because this this team truly could go one of two ways. Uh, they could be two and done here. Um, they could make some noise in the Big Ten tournament. They could make some noise in, in in March Madness. I mean, I think all of it's on the table because the talent level is high with this team, so the ceiling ends up being high. But the inexperience and you know these guys still being in their first year playing together makes their floor incredibly low, in my opinion. So it just depends game by game. So now I keep going back and forth as you look at the the Big Ten tournament, I, this may be an unpopular opinion, but I I kind of hope that Michigan beats Indiana. Um, if that ends up happening, you get the 9-8 game, Illinois-Indiana, 11 a.m. Uh, on Thursday to play Purdue. You're in the tournament. You like, like you have already punched your ticket. Let's bolster the resume, yeah. right? Why not? I mean, why not? Like a, a loss – Think about this. You can look at your path and be like, okay, we play Wisconsin as the seven seed. They're the 10. And then we end up playing Iowa as the two. What what hurts you more? A loss to Wisconsin in the first round of the Big Ten tournament or a loss to Indiana? The one to Wisconsin hurts you. Yeah. But if you win those games, 
Like if you beat Indiana, boom, quad one win. Now you get another shot at Purdue and you win those two games. You not only get yourself off the eight, nine, you get yourself off the seven line. And now you're probably a six seed in the NCAA tournament. So why not? I, I, so I know we're rooting for different things to happen so that they maybe get the seven ten, but I think getting some quality opportunities here and ones that actually don't hurt you as much if you lose is also helpful. It'll be interesting to see how the rest of this tonight plays out. We still got two games to tip here uh, in the six o'clock hour. So those are our keys to the game by Hickory Point Bank and Game Day Spirit. Coming up towards the end, if you got some thoughts on this one, Fasteners etc. Post game show. We knew what what they would do. They cross matched Zach on um, on on Ty Rogers, and so we just made Ty a screener. And uh, you know, Ty did a great job of going out and screening and and uh, creating opportunities. Coleman got downhill, um, you know, and Coleman's important star team doesn't just show in the numbers. Uh, uh, you know, he's he's much more important to us. And what six assists today, one turnover, um, you know, and then. You know, 49 minutes the other night, and unfortunately, I probably should have played him more in the first half during that run uh, with two fouls. But uh, um, proud of the fight and just came up a bit short and, and got to learn to play better. Can't be down 21 on the road. There's Brad Underwood after the game talking about what we decided it's not the small lineup. Let's call it the athletic lineup and the look that they were getting with Ty Rogers and Coleman Hawkins in there. Two guys who their numbers are not huge today. Six points for Coleman, one for Ty. Uh, they, they were doing their rebounding thing. Four boards for Coleman, three for Ty Rogers. Both of their offensive rebounds led to second chance points and, and doing their thing on defense. But we've seen this a couple of times here late, and I don't know how much you'll, you'll see it in the big tournament. We'll, we'll see it this week in the Big Ten tournament. But... Um, yeah, when teams decide to go to that, when, when Illinois goes to that look and they decide to put their big on Ty Rogers, it's like, okay, we'll we'll just let our, our 6-11 mismatch go at, at your guard. And then when they would put Edie at, on him, it's like, okay, we'll, we'll keep him a little further away from the basket and, and be able to open up things for, for other guys. So we've been saying it for, for a couple weeks now, but... Th- this was the idea, and it's working in certain situations for this team here. Yeah, and if you heard us pregame, I think I, I had mentioned it, right? I, I I had a feeling that Edie, they were going to stick Edie on Rodgers. Uh, and I think you're going to see more of that, especially if they end up getting this 8-9 game against Indiana. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see them, you know, you know stick guys and cross-match. Um, but look, I thought that was great from Ty. Underwood mentioned it. Be a screener. Go find Luke Goody. Go find Matthew Meyer. Go find RJ Melendez. Go find Terrence Shannon. Uh, that's how you can combat this because you, what you want Edie doing is having to process things other than, oh, you know, drop coverage, get a hand up, get back to my guy, protect the lob, you know, wall up a shooter, uh, make him have to function. And and Goody hit a three on the right wing, I think, to make it fifty seven forty six. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, Edie was the one that was guarding him and just completely lost him. Like those bigs are fish, fish out of water when they got to guard <laughs> guys that are running around the perimeter. So if you're one of these guards, if you're one of these wings and you notice that you've gotten switched and you have Edie on you, it's not the time to like throw your hands up and call for the ball. It's the time to go and have some off ball movement. Cause that's, that's how you really confuse him. And that's how you get him kind of kind of playing out of his element. So I thought that was great from Ty. I think they can build on it. It's it's interesting because these two paths 
are going to be completely different. You don't have to play that way <laughs> if if this ends up being a 7-10 against Wisconsin. Yeah, they went all uh, Dane Danger in those two matchups. Yeah, Dane against Wisconsin, Dane against Iowa. And then if it goes 8-9 Indiana to play Purdue, you go more Coleman-Hawkins. So it's it's like the Coleman-Hawkins path and the Dane Danger path. You're always <laughs> going to get a heavy dose of Coleman-Hawkins, but in terms of which lineups you're deploying, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this uh, how these games play out because it's really going to come down to this Indiana-Michigan game. And, and again, that's why you know so, some folks can can be cautiously optimistic about this team. I mean, they they've got so many ways that they can win and they can match up with with pretty much any team. They just matched up against a, a seven four guy. Um, some teams that like Penn State who have no true big. Um, they they haven't quite figured that one out. But uh, Penn State to isn't necessarily somebody that, that you'll be seeing in March. So um, we'll just see what happens. Uh, a couple more texts coming in here uh, talking about the, the lack of experience guards in the beginning. Certainly true. Uh, what was it? 11 turnovers in the first half, and I think eight of those came in the first five minutes. Yep. Just just being settled from, from the get-go. And again, completely different. You're never going to face 14,000 people against you again the rest of this season probably not maybe but uh mo- most neutral court environments aren't like that yeah i mean unless unless you go play in the energy stadium or wherever the final four is and you get <laughs> uh, an opponent that you have that's taken up whatever that would be like 10 percent of the arena with their fans maybe but i think if you're at that point you probably feel pretty good about it anyway so um yeah, that's a good point. I mean, that's just a tough place to play because they, I think the difference is they, there's a lot of students there. Um, I think they have something close to 3000 students wow. uh, that are, that are cheering. And you, we, we know that they, it's why Maryland is so hard mm-hmm. to win at too, because uh, they have students all the way in the, in the 200 level as well. And they have like a thousand that are sitting right behind the basket and just go, this is wall that goes up to the ceiling. So uh, there's no surprise that you don't win much at Purdue and, uh, only one team has won it at Maryland this year. Yeah, and another text texter coming back uh, uh, about the the hard foul on Matthew Meyer. Uh, yeah, it did it it, it did look a, a bit egregious, but for whatever reason they didn't review it, and we're not really sure why they couldn't review it. Um, and that's how it played out. Matthew Meyer hit one of two, and then Purdue ended up getting the win. Uh, one more text here. 217 texter says, proud of the fight. Let's see what happens in the tourney. Also pointing out that roster wasn't complete for most of the year. They managed to, to put together 20 wins for the fourth consecutive season. Okay, let's give out last call here. If you want to give us a call, 217-356-9397 or send us a text, 217-351-5357 on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line here as we wrap up the regular season on the postgame show. Shannon out top. Shannon's going to shoot a three, and it's good! Oh, thunder from out top for Terrence Shannon, 67-66. Purdue by only one with two minutes to go. Almost thought anything was possible here today. The Illini get down by 24 in the second half. Tie it up with under, with just over a minute to play. But fall short at Purdue to wrap the regular season. 
Last call here on the Fasteners Etc. Post Game Show. Evan Kahn, Mike Latulip with you. Dave Leak's been helping us out today. Thanks for all of you for tuning in. Just a couple more texts coming in here at the end on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line. Uh, following this 76-71 loss to the Boilermakers. Uh, Texts are talking about as far as youngest team or where they rank in, in the country. I think it's experience when you consider Dane Danger's a three-game sophomore. Melendez is a sophomore. That, and they're playing a bunch of freshmen and two transfer seniors. I think experience-wise is, is where they're towards the, the bottom in the nation. Um, Mitch says, great post-game show. Thanks for the kind words, Mitch. We'll keep it going through the tournament, no doubt about that. Um, Texter looking for more out of Coleman Hawkins. And uh, 76-71 was the final score here as the Illini are 11-9. and And basically every game left here, the one going on right now in the Big Ten, Michigan and Indiana, Later on, Northwestern and Rutgers, Wisconsin and Minnesota all have some varying degree of who they will play uh, coming up in the tournament. It will definitely be Thursday. Um, it could be the early game. It could be the latest game uh, or, or somewhere in between there. But uh, we'll, we'll just kind of keep an eye on that. And when we find that out, we'll be here two, game, two hours before with pregame coverage. And then we'll be back with you afterwards for... The post-game show, same fasteners, etc. Post-game show you get during the regular season, Mike. And as we wrap up here, uh, giving one more refresh here on the thoughts. Again, you're frustrated with the big deficit in the beginning and the inability to get over that hump in the end and close things out. But this team is is what it is, and it can be one of the best teams in the nation, or it can it can fall flat on its face, and, and we'll see see which team decides to show up for the these next two plus games. Because as much as we hate it, that's uh, what will define a, a lot of what this team is. Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, right? I think this team has had a propensity to be Jekyll and Hyde a bit, but we at least know that in big games like today. I mean, I know they didn't come out strong but they they fought back they fought at indiana they fought at iowa they fought against northwestern they fought against michigan i mean in, in the ones that quote unquote you know you're you're the underdog right or you're the not the one that's not ranked or the one like this team tends to show up so i feel like that's that type of psychology bodes well in march but this is also a team that like we talked about if they don't get off to a good start they can really put themselves <laughs> behind the eight ball so we'll toss it up on Thursday. Who and when, we don't know, but we'll be here, and we hope you guys all come back as well. Thanks for tuning in, for calling, texting, and just enjoying the program here tonight. We'll have a podcast of this. If maybe you're listening on the podcast afterwards, we thank you for doing that as well. All righty, Mike, that's the end of the regular season. March for real. We'll head up to the United Center, and we'll get it going. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. All righty. Thank you, Mr. Mike Latulip, for helping us out here. Thank you again, Dave Leak, as well, for hanging out on the fan line and getting all those callers in. We'll see what happens. Michigan and Indiana right now in the first half. The Hoosiers leading that one. And 
if Michigan wins, sounds like Illinois gets Indiana. So we'll see. Thanks for hanging out. We'll be back for postseason play up next. Have a good Sunday. The preceding program was an exclusive presentation of News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS and Light Rock 97.5 FM WHMS Champaign-Urbana, Champaign Multimedia Group Stations.